For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. A little bit overcast out here in Stark Vegas. Not too bad a day. For a summer day, not so bad. But uh, be that as it may, got the dog days of summer coming up in more ways than one. Hope that you guys are able to cool the house and uh, get some relief every now and again when you can little football news today as three mississippi state bulldogs named all sec by athlons you know you remember a time when that was kind of the beginning of college football season right when the athlons and the street and smiths and all that stuff began to kind of show up on the newsstands that's when you know college football was getting close it's a little different day and time but that being said Kylan Hill, according to Athlon Sports, the first-team All-SEC running back, as well he should be. Errol Thompson, a third-team linebacker. And Nathan Pickering, sophomore Nathan Pickering, defensive tackle, comes in as a fourth-team selection. I remind you that anybody can make a list, but I think if you had to kind of put a list of Mississippi State's impact players, those three guys certainly should be on it. K.J. Costello, it's one of those things I guess they decided, you know what, he didn't play in this league, so we're not going to rank him. K.J. Costello is going to put up some huge numbers in this offense. My hope is these types of snubs only motivate him to be even better. Father's Day is coming up, as you guys are well aware. Let me remind you this. We've got uh, we've got a special over at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. I've signed books every day this week, so you guys are listening. But if you're looking to get your dad a gift, if your dad's a reader, or maybe you'd like to make him a reader or maybe you just need a a nice decorative item to put on your bookshelf, you can get personalized copies of both Flim Flam and Stark Villains at Stark Villains the Book, and through Father's Day, which you run out of time here, you can get free shipping. Free shipping from StarkVillainsTheBook.com to get those things over there to you very, very quickly. Again, I've signed books every day this week. I'm not going to mention any names because I know they're gifts. But uh, it's, been, it's been a busy week. been a very, very busy week, to say the least. To give you guys a quick update on Alpha Dogs, I actually have uh, worked my way through the majority of the editing process now. Because like I told you, there's a bit, I'm not going to rehash the whole process. But there's a lot to it. I get all these notes back. And so for the past four or five days, I have, uh, you know, worked through all that and kind of, you know, Reminded myself that I am a good writer. You know, it's one of those things you you read all that stuff and you have to have some thick skin. But uh, I have done the rewrites. I have done some edits. I've answered some questions. I've done some fact checking, some stuff, and some things the publisher wanted. And so there'll be a few more tweaks between uh, now and the next ten days or so. But the heavy lifting is done. We're very very close to having the writing process ended for Alpha Dogs, and then we'll have that book available for pre-sale. And it's weird to think about. 
how quickly it all happens. We're going to turn this thing around. We'll push it off to print. They'll they'll have a truck bring us a bunch of books. And and then it'll be available in bookstores in Mississippi again. And how cool is it that Stark Villains is still on the Mississippi bestsellers list? How cool is that? That book was released back in October. So we're eight months into this deal. And it is still one of the top ten selling books in the state of Mississippi. Flim Flam didn't do that. And Flim Flam was, uh, was kind of a national book. It's great. But be that as it may, if you're looking to get Alpha Dogs, you can be able to pre-order that really, really soon. But for now, Stark Villains and Flim Flam, again, free shipping for Father's Day over at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And if you're looking to just get a T-shirt or maybe a hoodie for yourself, you can get that at StarkVillains.com. Again, a lot to get into today. I thought what we would do today, because it's never too early to kind of take a peek ahead at the football schedule. And I might feel differently come September. But as of June 17th, I've got a pretty good idea of how I think this thing's going to play out. Of course, things change week to week. That's one of the things I think we've got to prepare for, too, is what what if you have guys test positive during the season and they have to go through the mandatory quarantine? Also, not available for a couple weeks. And so that's something we're going to have to deal with, you know, for a while. This is probably going to be one of those years where some weird things happen. 2020 has taught us to expect the unexpected. It's like, it's so funny. It's like uh, somebody shared a Facebook uh, video a while back and uh, appeared to show like a, uh, a UFO. And, uh, you know, ordinarily people would say, oh, that's a hoax. But it's like, man, I, in this year, anything is possible. And anything is possible. And it's like, I, I love the meme about... Uh, it feels like we skipped the murder hornets. I mean, I know, I know that we did. We, we skipped the murder hornets. Anything is possible. Prepare for the unexpected. It's been wild. But, uh, but be that as it may, I'm excited about football season, as you should be as well. And I, listen, I know we're, we're working through some things right now, and there's going to be some positive tests, and there are going to be quarantines, and people are going to be living in bubbles and that sort of stuff for a while. Then we'll, we'll get some better treatment. We'll get a vaccine. But we're going to play football. Whether we have a capacity crowd, I don't know. And that's one thing. That's the number one question that everybody asks. Now that everybody accepts that we're going to have football, much to the chagrin of many people in the national media, which is, to me is a joke. Why do you cover sports if you hate sports? I, I don't get it. Yeah, as I mentioned on this show before, I had, there was somebody uh, you know on the Mississippi State beat a few years back that was like kind of rooting for state not to even make it to Hoover, much less Omaha. It's like, well, it cuts into so much of my summer vacation. Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes work is work. We got a really cool job. I don't ever take this for granted. But all that being said, we're going to play football this year. Whether we have a capacity crowd remains to be seen. Whether we're at 50% or whatever, that's something that is still being discussed. And anybody that tells you that they know is wrong, they're wrong. Because a lot can change in 90 days. A lot. So we'll see what happens. But we're going to have football, whether we have fans there or not. We're going to have football. We expect the media to be there in some capacity. I don't know if they may put us in hazmat suits. Who knows? But we fully expect to be there to cover it and bring you guys the story of the game. So we're going to get into some of that today. I'm going to break down the schedule, kind of how I see it play. Now, I've done a little research. Now, of course, when we get closer, we'll, uh, we'll get a little more in-depth and all of that. But we'll take kind of our first blush look at the schedule. A lot of people keep asking me about workouts. Okay, so our coaches cannot observe the workouts. And then the guys on the uh, strength and conditioning staff have kind of been sworn to secrecy. Every so often you hear something. You pick up something 
you know, from somebody that's out there. But Mike Leach and his group, for the most part, are kind of running a tight ship with all that. You know, it's like used to, like under Joe, it's like I'm, you know, every time we'd have a scrimmage, you know, it'd be inundated with text messages and phone calls from people that were there and said, hey, this guy looked great and this guy looked good. And that's one of the reasons we kind of had a good feeling Tommy Stevens was going to be the guy is because we had people that were witnessing these events that were telling us. You know, there was no shortage of people willing to talk. It's a little different deal now. But, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing that I consistently hear is that K.J. Costello is exactly who we thought he was exactly who we hoped he was so he's he's here getting ready to go we're excited about that and uh and so without much further ado we'll go ahead and get into that and kind of preview the september games we will have a top 10 list today and this may be a longer show than normal i had some had somebody message me in, in the chat room last night today steve uh these later boneyards are killing me you know, I've got I've got to force myself to listen to talk radio, and and so I'm going to do my best to do a better job. Now that the heavy lifting for the the writing process is behind me, I'm going to try to get these things done for you early to mid afternoon, so you won't have to you know wait so late. I I, I recognize it too. Uh, you know, Fred Fred gets after me on Twitter. Fred will say, Hey, Steve, man, you're killing me with these later boneyards. I will do better. I'll do better. Promise. I want to thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, man. A gr- part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for years. If you're looking for that great restaurant-quality hamburger, and you darn well should be, it's a great way to treat yourself. It is one of the finer delicacies in our lives these days. The great restaurant-quality hamburger. You're going to find that and a whole lot more at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by, find your own favorites. Try the Lauren. Try the Bryant. Try the Pimentology. Add bacon. That'll put some hair on the chest for you. But always get the spring rolls as the appetizer because they'll make you and everybody around you better looking. We all need every bit of that we can get. Go by, check them out. Two locations now to serve you on University Drive right here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Two great facilities, great people running them, great food, great prices. These people know how to feed folks. They'll feed you and make your family very, very happy. And you know what? And if you want to get food to go, you can do that too. Perhaps you're not ready to sit in a somewhat crowded restaurant despite social distancing. So you know what, Steve? I just want to get it to go. My kids love it. I'd like to get the hamburger and those big big old bucket of fries, man. My goodness. You can do that too. A lot of people comfortable doing that. They're happy to accommodate you at Bulldog Burger Company. Again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, looking at the September football schedule for Mississippi State, we got four games. Really good chance we can win all four. Get off to a great start. Get this team some confidence. Get some reps, right? Kind of get KJ on the same page with the receivers. Kind of get the defense uh, lined up in the right spot. You know, so we'll have some games to kind of get things together before we get into the meat of the schedule because October is going to be rough now. It's like last year, October is kind of a defining month in the schedule. Before we get to October, we got to play September. So let's go ahead and jump in here and look at the September schedule. I know many people have kind of been hesitant to look at it because you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to, Steve, I'm so worried we're going to play. We're going to play. Okay, we're going to play. We were going to play on Thursday night. Now we're going to play on Saturday with New Mexico. And a lot of people have said, well, Steve, I don't understand – Listen, the bottom line is we, anytime we have a Thursday night game, we've got a close campus. There's a lot that goes on with all of that. And you got to bring everybody back, and there's tailgating, and there's all this to, to attend to. 
And uh, I wanted the game to be on Thursday night, too, because I thought it would be great to kind of showcase our new offense to the world. But uh, but be that as it may, we're going to play. And uh, I think – I really don't think it's going to be an 11 a.m. kick. I know a lot of people have talked about that. We're playing New Mexico, not a great New Mexico team. But I, I got to think that ESPN wants eyeballs on that game out in Albuquerque, too. And so I don't know why you play it at 9 in the morning local time. So I think that will be a, a later game. Hopefully it's a night game. I think the world wants to see Mike Leach in primetime. It's not a great schedule on opening weekend. So maybe we can get a night game. But I don't think it's going to be an 11 a.m. kick. Just my personal opinion. Uh, New Mexico last year, the Lobos, 2-10. and 2-10. And, and that brought the end of the Bob Davey era there in, uh, in, at UNM. Uh, they ended the season on a nine-game losing streak. Danny Gonzalez, now the new head coach, a former Lobo in his own right, spent the last couple of years at Arizona State with Herm Edwards. That's a resurgent program down there. Really proud of Herm Edwards, man. Really, I mean, a lot of people kind of panned that higher, and he's done a really good job there. Uh, listen, New Mexico is not going to be a team that's going to be able to challenge Mississippi State. We're going to be able to out-athlete out them. That is a great first game opponent. Zach Arnett, also a uh, former Lobo himself, linebacker there. It's a game obviously going to mean a little bit to him, be somewhat emotional, I'm sure, even though it's been a while since he has been there. Uh, he's a guy that's you know, going on to San Diego State and all that stuff. Now here's Mississippi State, but this is game one. This is game one for Zach Arnett, and there's a lot of people that believe that he has the, the ability to work his way into a head coaching position at some point. I think we'll be pretty vanilla for the most part. I think we're going to run our base offense and defense, but I don't think that, that Mexico, New Mexico has the same level of athlete to be able to compete. I've got that one down as a win, as most of you do. Week two, we're on the road at North Carolina State. When we signed this, a lot of people thought, hey, this is a good one here, and it is. It's, it's very similar to the Kansas State deal. You know, I, I think we're comparable programs. I think it's a good Power 5 deal for us. They were 4-8 and eight last year, but they had a rash of injuries. They're going to be a little bit better team this year, and I, I think we are too, but I think they're going to be a little better team. And so having to go up there, going on the road is always tough. But great teams and great coaches find a way to win on the road. That's an early toss-up, but I think we're going to go up there and win the game. We're going to have to stop the running game, though. Uh, the Wolfpack bringing back kind of a three-headed monster out there. All three of their leading rushers from a season ago are back. They're going to be able to line up and run the football a little bit. They, got, they had some losses on defense and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, listen, Dave Doran has put together a good program there at Raleigh. Yeah, there was some discussion. I don't know if you remember this that Ole Miss nearly hired Dave Doring when they elected to keep Matt Luke. I mean, of course, you know, the, there's always the ever-changing narrative when, when people pull out, and that was one of the things that was discussed is that Dave Doring was pretty much close to a deal, and then uh, Ole Miss kind of recalibrated and elected to take Matt Luke. I think it's really more a situation where Dave Doring pulled out and they made the only decision that they could. But uh, Dave Doran, you may be somewhat familiar with him. He was coaching the Wolfpack when uh, we went out there in 2015 and beat them in the Belk Bowl uh, with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback. You know, of course, Dak Prescott, swan song at Mississippi State, going out there winning that game in the rain. One of those moments you never forget. It's a great day. We won the ball game, and I really think State was a lot more athletic than NC State that day. The scoreboard showed it, too, and, and to be fair with you, I think I don't know that the scoreboard was a fair barometer of the difference in the talent between the two programs. I think we were a lot more talented than they were. 
Week three, we come back home and uh, we get Arkansas coming in. And, and here's one of the things, and I've mentioned this on the show before, and I don't know that people fully appreciate it. I don't know what Chad Morris's deal was with Joe Moorhead. You know, it seemed like Chad wanted to kind of target Joe on the recruiting trail, but Joe absolutely killed Morris on the field both times. It's like, you know, we talk about, oh, well, you know, offensively we struggled here and we struggled there. We, we had a tough time kind of getting it going against Kentucky where there's odd man fronts. But, man, Joe Moorhead owned Chad Morris. I mean, absolutely owned him. I don't know what, what, it, what it was, but Chad brought out the best in Joe. And even that trip to Fayetteville last year, we could have put 80 up on them if we wanted to. Uh, I, I don't think if Mike Leach gets that opportunity, I don't think you're going to see Mike Leach uh, call off the dogs. That's a really, really bad Arkansas team from a year ago. They have taken some steps to kind of improve themselves. As you guys are aware, Felipe Franks, grad transfer quarterback from Florida, has joined the roster. Rakeem Boyd, one of the top running backs in the SEC despite playing on a losing team last year. He's back, had 1,133 yards last year. They got some great receivers. Knox and Burke, I guess, you know, trailing. Those guys are going to be able to play. You know, Felipe Frank's accuracy has always been a little bit of an issue, but he's an athlete. You know, and, and here's the deal. You know, I don't care how they want to spend it or whatever. Everybody gets it that Arkansas had some trouble finding a coach. And they went out and got Sam Pittman, very well-respected offensive line coach. So I expect them to play well in the trenches. And I think they're going to be a little bit better on offense than they were a year ago. I think Felipe Franks does make them a better team. I think Rakeem Boyd is an NFL prospect. And I'm kind of glad we're getting them early. Not that I expect Arkansas to be better. I still think they're the seventh-place team in the West. But by the time they get mid-year, I think they're going to be able to move the football a little bit. It's just one of those deals. I, I just, you know, it's so difficult to take a team that is used to losing and kind of get them to have a winning mentality. And that's the thing, too. Arkansas ended the year on a nine-game losing streak. So those guys are used to suiting up, showing up, and getting beat. And so that's one of those things that I think about having to go on the road and play the SEC opener against a team that has absolutely annihilated you two years in a row. State should have some confidence. Arkansas won't. But they'll come up here and say, hey, this is a measuring stick for us. That's an important game for Mike Leach. We need to kind of continue our domination over Arkansas. It's one of the things, too, about some people in the SEC football media that gets on my nerves. Mississippi State has dominated Arkansas for the last several years. Dak Prescott graduated at Mississippi State having never lost a game to Arkansas. You know, of course, in 2016, of course, the, uh, that, you know, we got a little case of sermonitis and we couldn't stop Arkansas because we didn't understand that we were getting out leveraged on the edges we never adjusted our linebackers or our fronts, so we just let them run. And sometimes those tight ends didn't have anybody to block because Sermon didn't make the call. But that's what it took for Arkansas to get a win in this series. And so State has dominated Arkansas. But to hear some of the media talk about, it, well, you know, Arkansas is a team to watch. That was Every year that's what I hear. Oh, they're a little bit of a dark horse. They're going to take a step forward. Arkansas is awful. They are awful. And I don't think Sam Pittman's going to get them much better. I think it's a stopgap deal this year, and you begin to look at it. Felipe Franks will be gone. Ricky Boyd will be gone. Uh, I guess K.J. Jefferson will be the quarterback. I, I think K.J. is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. And I don't know that he runs what they want to do now. And so it's going to be interesting. 
But I think that this year will be kind of that stopgap year for them, but they're going to be at the end of a talent cycle and they're as a bad football team. And so I think Sam Pittman is a good man and do a good job recruiting. I think they'll be able to get some recruiting battles won, but it's going to be difficult because this is such an unforgiving league. Once you get down at the bottom, nobody will ever let you up. The fourth game is the uh, the first team that's got a winning record on Mississippi State's schedule. The first three teams, as I mentioned, New Mexico 2-10, NC State 4-8, Arkansas 2-10. Tulane went 7-6, but they struggled down the stretch. They kind of limped down the stretch and lost 5-6 of six in a regular season. And then they beat Southern Miss in the Armed Forces Bowl to uh, – to post a winning record last year. They lost a lot off that team. And so from an athletic standpoint, you know, State should be able to, you know, the difference in the weight programs and the depth chart should make a difference in that ball game. But that, that that's one of those games, too, you look at and say, you know what? I remember the last time you guys came up here, we remember, don't we, fans? That was the old thanks for the check game back in 06, if you recall. Tulane came up here and, Won the ball game 32-29, and then uh, kind of talked trash to uh, Sylvester Croon's guys on the way out the door. Hey, but you know what? You win the game, you get to say whatever you want. So I don't know if the current staff or the current players know anything about any of that, but I know a lot of fans are thinking, you know what, we, we, we kind of owe them one. So we definitely want to get back uh, at that. But I, if I had to call it today, I think Mississippi State is 4-0 after September. That road game at NC State, I mean, that, that's one you look at. You certainly can't you know, just assume you're going to win that ball game. That's a team, again, that kind of struggled down the stretch last year, as I mentioned. They had a lot of injuries, and then they ended the year on a six-game losing streak. So September is there for the Bulldog taking. You get those four right out of the gate, I think that really sets up well because with A&M coming in in October – and we'll get to October just here shortly. We'll have the top ten list, and then we'll get right back to the schedule. But remind you, Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, Hawthorne here to take care of you, all of your cologne needs. I've shared this with you guys many times. This is, without a doubt, the best cologne that I have ever had. I have tried several things over the years. Nobody ever taught me what cologne I should buy, what worked for me. I just kind of went with whatever was popular. And then you find something you like and you kind of stick with it and then you wear it until it wears out of style. You know what I'm saying? And so Hawthorne, go to their website and you can take their quiz. And if you're looking for a Father's Day gift, you can take the quiz for them or get your mom to be involved or whatever. And then it'll pair you up with the best preferences for that person. And you can order for them. I'm telling you, your dad's going to like it because it's going to be exactly what he wants. He will be just like me and think, you know what? I've never felt better about how I smell, what do I do with Hawthorne Cologne. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, use Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-R-D, and you'll get a $20 gift card that your dad can use for other products, whether they be, you know, shampoo, conditioner, uh, body gel, face cleanser. There's a lot of things you can use there, body wash, anything uh, for kind of men's grooming needs, you can get right there at Hawthorne.co. Again, very happy to have them as part of the show. Don't buy your dad a tie. Don't go buy him like a Jelly of the Month Club. Get him something that he can use. It's a quality of life type purchase. Hawthorne Cologne at H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, promo code BONEYARD. Let me get the top ten list done here. I had somebody tell me earlier, I've had a m- several people o- over the last month have said, hey, Steve, 
let's do dogs. And, uh, I, I, you know, obviously there's some, uh, some ones, there's some obvious ones, but I began to think, you know, how many breeds of dogs have I had over the years that I can really talk about intelligently? And it took a while, but I did, I came up with it. Um, the first thing that I'll tell you, here's my, and it's supposed to be National Mascot Day. For, it, it, it's always National Something Day, National Hot Dog Day, National Back Scratcher Day, uh, National Girlfriend Day. It's, it's like, well, that's every day, isn't it, right? Uh, but it's always a national day of some sort. I, I'll be glad when it's National Steve Day and we can have a parade or something. But uh, here's based on my experiences, my top 10 breeds of dogs. Number 10, Greyhound. I had one, uh, and uh, she was such she was sweet, but, man, she was a handful. If she ever got loose, she was almost impossible to catch her. Uh, and so I eventually had to let somebody else adopt her that had a lot of land out in the country. And uh, glad she's happy. Uh, number nine on the list, I had a Cocker Spaniel mix. When I was a kid, I used to think Cocker Spaniels were the best kid, the best dogs ever. And so I got a Cocker Spaniel mix. He was great. And uh, probably my childhood dog. Loved him to death. Uh, number eight, my first real hunt dog was a, a red bone coon hound. And they are incredible dogs. I like some other dogs better because they, they do get a little lazy. You know, they're, they're just the kind of kind of lay up on the back porch or whatever. But whenever they get motivated, they're great. And they'll run and run and run. Number seven on my list, they would be higher because they're so darn cute. It's beagles. The problem with beagles are is it's so hard to keep them. It's so hard to keep them pinned up. It's so hard to keep them in the yard because they follow their nose. It's incredible the links that I had had to go to to get my beagle hounds back. I mean, they, they, they'd be people two and three counties away and say, hey, I got your dog out here. It's insane. But I had one when I moved up here, and we lost her. And uh, she was a Baton Rouge dog, and uh, I could barely keep her in my fenced-in backyard back then. She'd always find a way to get out. Had to have her on a runner half the time. And then when she did get out, you know, she barked at people, and she was very protective of the land. We'd get up here, and she was in heaven. And then uh, – only thing I can assume is that one day that she got out there and it rained for like three or four days and she lost the scent and couldn't get back. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a good collar on her. Miss you, Chloe, wherever you are today. Uh, number six on my list is walker hounds. And you, you hear a lot of hounds in here. It's because at one point in my life, I used to hunt a lot. Walker hounds are great dogs. The, one of the things about them is they will lay around and eat for like three or four days and then go run for two or three days and stay gone. But uh, they are great deer hunting dogs. They're very loyal. They're very easy to deal with. Love them. Number five on the list, golden retrievers. And one, the retrievers hunt too, but they're not like walker hounds and, and beagles. Uh, they kind of stay around the house for the most part. They don't get too far away from home because they want to be here to protect the house. Uh, number four on my list are labs. Labs, great dogs, great demeanor, great with kids, great with families, fiercely loyal really good around other people they just you know they, they, they don't get they're not an aggressive breed love labs i've had several i've got one now i had a chocolate lab that i love to death and uh, she passed away a couple of years for us and uh, i think the best years of her life were spent here in starkville where she had all this land uh, to kind of roam on and a big pond to go out there and swim in whatever she wanted to number three on the list and uh, I, I could go higher here it's a blue healer I have, uh, I actually have three of those, and uh, probably the greatest dog I've ever had is my dog Mojo, and uh, she's the first blue healer, well, the second blue healer I ever had. She's the only one I've ever had that's registered, but uh, 
incredibly loyal to the family and uh, she's one of the dogs too I, I gotta watch her around strangers because she doesn't like new people coming by and so if you ever pull up in my driveway uh, you need to be a little careful getting out because uh, she'll come up and nip you if you're not careful number two on my list and I have a new one someone asked me hey Steve what's your new pup I've got a new one I got a German Shepherd German Shepherd's a very majestic uh, great breed of dog, very, also very loyal, but also great protectors. They don't roam. They, they know where their home is. They like to kind of stay around the house. Uh, I love that and uh, happy to have him. We named him Maverick. I don't even I don't remember who came up with the idea, but he's Maverick. So Maverick is our German Shepherd, and he's doing great. Great addition to our family. And uh, I had one when I was a kid. His name was Prince. And I tell you, he, uh, he was just one of those dogs that I always knew, no matter where I went, that uh, he had my back. And it was one time when I was out uh, still hunting in, in the woods. And, you know, when you got dogs, they always go with you. And uh, this is back in the beginning when we first started seeing. It's like I, I see all these coyotes all the time now. And people act like it's some novelty. I remember as a kid seeing some coyotes and we were out hunting the pipeline and um that dog basically saved me from getting attacked by a coyote one time it's incredible but the number one list the number one dog on my list and i've had a couple of them and you guys love them too it's an english bulldog the only problem with them is they're a little bit fragile you know but they're great dogs uh, they're a lot of fun they do have some health issues but they're just such a novelty to have them around they snore a lot um, they have a lot of personality they play a lot more than people think. But I love my Bulldogs, and I lost them both. Both of them died a little prematurely. Uh, the, you know, but dogs just don't live long enough. I mean, it's as simple as that. No matter what breed you have, if you're like me and you love animals, uh, dogs just don't live long enough. And there, there's a poem out there that's, that Rob Carpenter had shared with me about that you know, when, when um, one of my dogs died. And uh, it always bothers me, man. I mean, I've got a, I've got a pack of them, but, man, I love them all, and uh, he sent me this poem about dogs just don't live long enough, and it's like they remind us of who we really want to be, you know what I'm saying, because they they love us, they love the best version of us, but that's it, that's my, my list of dog breeds, my special request, so let's get into October now, the 4-0 Bulldogs are going to be taken on at Texas A&M in Starkville, it's going to be a big ball game, it's going to draw a lot of media attention, I expect it's a primetime game. You know, a lot of people said, man, Steve, the hype about A&M is just out of control. I don't agree. I think A&M is going to be really good this year. Now, do I think they're capable of winning the West? Probably not. But I actually picked them second in the West because they get LSU at their place. And really, it's going to boil down to what happens between them and Auburn. And I think Auburn's got some issues. But I think A&M is a little more of a complete team than Auburn because they, they return one of the most experienced teams in the SEC. Now, they have not done especially good on the road, and really nobody does in this league but uh, outside of, say, Alabama LSU. But, uh, but A&M has not been a great road team. They have basically been a 7-5 and five team for the last several years, no matter who the coach was. But they are really over their skis in this deal with Jimbo Fisher, man. They made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And I think this is the year where Jimbo needs to kind of get it going, not that they can afford to fire him. But I think it's one of those deals where A&M is going to have to make a decision about what they want to do. 
All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and our friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. And I understand they've got as much money as anybody. Uh, but the bottom line is this. they got to win some football games. If, or if not, Jimbo Fisher's going to be in trouble. But, uh, again, one of the things, and we mentioned that the Arkansas things, it's interesting, too, there are so many people that always dismiss the recent history between Mississippi State and Texas A&M in the SEC media. 
It's like in their mind they think, well, Texas A&M should be a better program than Mississippi State. Well, I don't know what should or shouldn't be, but I know what is. And Mississippi State has had the better of this uh, rivalry four of the last six in the A&M-Mississippi State series uh, has gone the way to Bulldogs. And the State's won three in a row in Starkville. So that's a game I think you can have some confidence. It is very much a toss-up. But I think a, a very confident Mississippi State come, team coming home uh, and having a chance to play against a team they've had some recent success against, especially against a guy like Keller Mond, because I still believe, even though he made us look silly last year, I get a tip of the cap to Keller Mond, he really played well against State last year in College Station, and some of that had to do with us. But Keller Mond will give you the football game if you let him. If you don't make mistakes, if you just get out there and play good, solid defense, he will take chances and be loose and fast with the football. He'll give you the football game. I, to be honest with you, though, I've got that game as a loss right now. I might feel differently as we get closer once we see what everybody kind of has. But uh, that A&M game is one of those ones I look at and say, that that's one right there that could d- define the season. You win that game. Then you're 5-0 and going to Tuscaloosa. And then, listen, I've got no delusions about winning that game at Alabama this year. Now, you give me a couple of years, you let Mike Leach get his guys, let Mike Leach get his culture implemented here, it's going to be a different story. I, I, I do. I, and I think we're going to take somebody down this year. I think we're going to upset somebody. I'll get to that a little bit later. But I don't think it's going to be Alabama. They're still Alabama. They lost a ton, but they still got a lot back. They're recruiting at a different level than everybody else. But I do expect us to go over there and compete. Uh, then we got to go to LSU. You know, of the road games, you know, or in, the, in the first, you know, two-thirds of the schedule, that's one, you know, historically has been difficult for us. But LSU is going to take a step back. I know a lot of people said, well, you know, Steve, they're still LSU. Listen, that LSU team last year might have been the greatest college football team of all time. And people say, well, Steve, you're caught up in recency bias. No, I'm not. You go look at the numbers that Joe Burrow put up. They went 15-0. They destroyed some really good teams. They played, what, what at three of the, five, the top five teams in the country. They beat more top ten teams in the country than anybody else in the history of the game. And they're going to take a big step back. They lost Joe Brady. They lost Joe Burrow. They lost a ton on defense. But by the time we get there, they'll have figured some things out. So it's going to be kind of interesting. It's going to be something we're going to have to go play our best football to go win that ball game. But I, I can't look at this right now and say, oh, that's a sure loss. I think we lose the game. But I, I don't think you can just say, oh, well, they're so much better than us. I, I think Ed Orgeron, in some respects, going to kind of come back down to earth this year. It was a bit of a perfect storm last year. With Steve Ensminger calling the plays and, and Miles Brennan throwing the football, they'll be a good team. I don't think they're going to be an elite team. But I do think because of that house of horrors that is Tiger Stadium, I think we're going to have a tough time going down there and play. But we'll see. The team that I think that we get in October is Auburn. Auburn's got to come here. Uh, Auburn's a team, too, that lost a ton on defense, especially in the secondary. And linebackers are going to be good. Uh, Britt and those guys are back. They've got to replace Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, two great players, two studs. So they've got some, some numbers 
uh, along that front, but uh, the secondary kind of shaken up. And I think that's the, they're not going to be able to rush the passer the way they were, which is going to expose that secondary a little bit. I don't think that we're a good matchup for Auburn. I really don't. I don't think that in any stretch at all are we going to be a good matchup for them. Now, Bo Nix, I think, is a rising star, so I think this could be a bit of a shootout. But I think State will – if we're going to get, if we're going to upset somebody – what you look at today and say it's an upset, I think that's the game. I, I think we get Auburn in October. And so if you're counting, that's got us 5-3 and three heading to November. That's how I feel today, 5-3. and three. And I think we've got a really good chance uh, to win a handful more. Now, that A&M game's a loss. Auburn game could be a toss-up. But, you know, we could start 4-4 four and four and be 4-4 four and four going into the final four games. I think we're going to be an 8-4 and four team because I think we're probably going to beat somebody we're not supposed to and probably going to lose to somebody we're not supposed to. I don't think that loss comes to Missouri. Missouri comes to Mississippi State. Um, you know, 6-6 six and six last year. A lot of people, again, the media was all, were all excited about Missouri. They did not have the pieces to compete. Kelly Bryant got hurt and they went in the tank. And listen, everybody, when you lose your starting quarterback, is going to take a step back. But there were not enough pieces around Kelly Bryant for Missouri to be taken seriously. And a lot of us got caught up in the hype a little bit. I, I gave him a little bit more benefit of the doubt than maybe I should have. But I was not buying this whole thing about Mizzou being the, uh, the dark horse in the East. But I did think it would be a difficult game you know, for Dan Mullen in Florida to have to go up there. And, of course, Dan and him crushed them. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, Eli Drinkwitz is a guy that hadn't been a head coach for very long, um, takes over at Appalachian State. We'll work through all that. And uh, we get him late. You remember this is the payback game from when we went up there in 15 and played in the pouring rain. And I, I remember, so I guess it was a Thursday night game. I remember it was a tr- just a torrential downpour up there. And uh, Dak found Bear right before the half. And it seemed like after that they were in trouble. It really did. We got to go to Kentucky, and that, that's been a difficult chore for us the last couple times. You know, two years ago, we were awful up there. Uh, we beat them last year here, and we kind of let them hang around a little bit too. Garrett Schrader had some fresh mistakes in that ball game, But we were the better team, and we won the ball game. And Garrett made a big play down the stretch to win the game. You know, we had an interception and a fumble uh, that kind of killed promising drives, but that's part of the game. But when the game was on the line, Schrader stepped up and made that long run, and we put the game away. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I get tired of hearing about Kentucky. I get there's so many. It's like they're, they're the SEC hipster school. It's like everybody wants to say, "Oh, we'll look for Kentucky this year." Let's. I think Kentucky might have a losing record this year. And then people say, "Well, this is the most talented Kentucky team." No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. This is not the most talented Kentucky team, and I don't think they're going to be as talented as they were last year. I think they lost too much at wide receiver. They lose Lynn Bowden, who I think is. One of the, the best players that Kentucky's had in many, many years. You know, two years ago they had to replace Benny Snell. But, you know, listen, they were not exactly setting the woods on fire, uh, at, you know, even before they had the quarterback issues. And so they figured it out. You, I give Stoops credit. They found a way, you know, to kind of put some offense together and make things interesting. But they finish the year 8-5. and five. They go 7-5 in a regular season. They win their bowl game. But they weren't a great team. They were the best team Mississippi State beat last year. But they weren't a great team. 
but they'll but i'll i'll hear and you'll hear it's kentucky this kentucky that guys kentucky has missed their window with tennessee and south carolina being way down kentucky benefited well tennessee and south carolina aren't way down anymore Tennessee is going to go back, and they're going to take that third spot in the East. And that South Carolina-Kentucky game is pretty much a toss-up every year. And so I think Kentucky is going to be in the situation they were in for many years in this conference, and that's going to be fighting and struggling to get to 6-6. Mississippi State gets to Alabama A&M. The next week, return, uh, the last home game of the year will be Senior Day. Alabama A&M went 7-5 last year. Uh, it's a swag team, you know, so it's going to be a, a much different athlete on the field. Uh, but listen, they're not, they're not just going to show up here. You know, you know, State's going to win the ball game, but this isn't going to be, you know, this isn't going to be just some run-of-the-mill ball game. I'm, I'm, they're they're going to come in here and be excited about the opportunity to come out here and play hard. But State will win that ball game. That that trip to Lexington bothers me, though. It bothers me because of what's happened the last two times we've gone up there. They expect to win that game at, at their place. Now, we have we had the better of them down here, and for a while there, for a decade, we won 9 out of 10, and it took uh, Peter Sermon coming along for us to lose one. And we had that, what it was, a 53-yard field goal, whatever it was, to win the game. Still should have won the game. Nick Fitzgerald and Fred Ross did all they could to win that game for us. The final game, of course, is the Egg Bowl, and uh, it's so interesting – and I think we discussed this on the show here recently, is there, there's some people that say, well, you know, I see State and Ole Miss as very similar teams, and the Egg Bowl is in Oxford this year, so I'm going to give Ole Miss the nod. That's why I've got them ranked ahead of Mississippi State in my predictions. Well, well, do you know what happened the last two times the Egg Bowl was played in Oxford? Well, Mississippi State pretty much set records up there. Nick Fitzgerald has the greatest scoring margin. He is the greatest Bulldog road egg ball quarterback of all time. Not to mention the fact that there's a lot of people on this Mississippi State campus that are kind of learning about the rivalry for the first time. They learn from afar. And now they're beginning to kind of appreciate the fact that this, uh, this thing is pretty intense. So if you don't think Mike Leach is going to come out that first ball game against Ole Miss and try to make a statement, you're kind of kidding yourself. Not to mention you know, some of the things that have happened off the field here uh, in the last couple months. You know, Don't think any of that's going to be forgotten. Now, we're not game planning for Ole Miss right now, but by the time we get there, we'll have a pretty good idea of who we are and who they are. And uh, I, I firmly believe you know, if Mike Leach has the opportunity to really run the score up, he will not do what Dan Mullen and Jim Moorhead did and call the dogs off. I think Mike Leach, if he could get 100, I suspect he would. Don't know that he can, but I suspect that he would. That defense, too, that's one thing that Ole Miss defense, they lost a lot in the secondary last year, lost a ton at the defensive line, and Charles Wiley just enters the portal. Uh, this, that was a defense that was not very good. Sam Williams, a star. I, I really like Sam Williams. I think he's the best player on the on that Ole Miss defense. Uh, they one of the things too about them too that's interesting. You know, was with big change in offensive philosophy last year. You know, Elijah Moore was the only Ole Miss Rebel to catch more than one touchdown pass last year. I mean, it almost seems crazy to even mention that because of what we saw. You know, with the 
you know, the Hugh Freeze era, and you know, then with the AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. I mean, they 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 threw it around. They were exciting and fun to watch. I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan, it's a different deal last year. It was more about the quarterback run, and and they racked up a lot of yards once games had been decided. And so as a result, I think there's some you know there's some people out there that kind of have a, a maybe. A, misunderstanding about how potent this offense can be. I, honestly, I think Matt Corral probably fits more of what they want to do. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, one of the best in the country with the quarterback run game, kind of coordinating all that and kind of setting things up. He always has been. And so I don't know that you have quite as many of those explosive plays at quarterback. John Rice Plumley, of course, a package guy. I don't know if you don't put him on the field in a variety of ways. I don't know if you don't line him up at some slot receiver, let Matt Corral be the quarterback, and then have a package for – for Plumley, I don't think Plumley's going to beat you throwing the football, but he can beat you running the football. The problem Ole Miss is going to have is being able to stop anybody. And, I, and I, one of the things I think Mike Leach will go up there and win that ball game handily. And so if I had to call it today, I'd say State's 8-4. and four. And some people say, well, you know, we've got all this. You know, the, the self-loathing stuff with the Mississippi State fan base irks me to no end. You know, I don't think anybody's expecting State to go out and challenge for the West this year. But to say that we're going to be 6-6 six and six and 7-5, and five, when you look at this schedule, I mean, let's just take it as conservative as we can. Let, let's say you beat New Mexico and then you lose the next week at NC State. It's because it's difficult to get up and go play on the road. And that NC State's team should be improved. Then you get Arkansas here, and they're awful. And we beat them. And then you beat Tulane because you should be able to out-athlete both of those teams. And let's say you go over in, in October. All right, let's say you go over. Well, that makes you three and five with four to go, and that's four winnable games down the stretch. And so Alabama A&M is one, right? And you got Kentucky, Missouri, and Ole Miss. And so, I mean, I think even if you're a conservative person, you got to think seven and five. I think to me, seven and five is probably the floor, barring an injury. Barring an injury to a major player, I think seven and five is probably the floor. I think eight and four is probably right on the money. But if you pull off that upset of Auburn or A and M, then you could you could conceive we'd be a nine and three type team. And so, I just think though that State's got some things to figure out on defense. I think you know when you begin offensively, Michael figured out. You know, a little bit later today, or I guess by the time you guys hear this, you could have read it. I interviewed. Um, uh, Louis Vasquez, former Texas Tech offensive lineman, because I get it, that's one thing. There's all these people that offer their their unqualified opinions about things. So, well, you know, Leach is not going to have time to install the offense. I have talked to Vince Maley from Washington State. I have talked to Jamal uh, Morrow from Washington State. I have talked to Brandon Carter from Texas Tech. I have now talked to Louis Vasquez from Texas Tech. Every one of them says Leach will have this offense installed in about two weeks. Vasquez says, you know, for, for the younger guys, it might take a little bit longer, but for the guys that have been around college football, about two weeks. He goes, man, it's incredible how simple it is. It looks really complex, but it's actually very, very simple. And the guys are going to be able to get up to speed very, very quickly. And as I've said many times on this show and others, we're not going to teach Mike Leach anything about coaching football. That's one of the things that I get amazed by, like, Mike Leach has won everywhere he's been, and we think, okay, we're going to teach Mike Leach, okay, Mike, this is how it's done. No. This guy knows what he's doing. He's going to have an extended fall camp, and we're going to get guys up to speed. We did not get the benefit of, of spring football. Like nobody, Everybody else is in the same boat in that respect. 
But Mike Leach will install the offense. The kids already have a working knowledge of what we're trying to do. They've been able to get up to speed on terminology through Zoom calls, and pretty soon they're going to be able to get on the field with their coaches. My bigger concern is going to be on the defense. Where do we line up? What's our check here? Who's blitzing? Who's not? Who's in coverage? That, the communication on defense takes a little time. You've got to rep that out. That's one of the reasons that I'm glad we're able to kind of ramp up a little bit and also, too, kind of worries me a little bit about that game two at NC State. Kind of would like that one uh, a little bit later in the schedule. Maybe have that one number three. But be that as it may, you know, there's no reason to think at this point that Mike Leach is not going to be capable of putting that offense in. And, again, these are guys who don't – you know, Vince Maley and, and Jamal and those guys, they don't have any connection to those kids from Texas Tech except through Leach. This is because they all played for Mike Leach. They're not friends. It's not some grand conspiracy where everybody says, okay, well, listen, if anybody calls, this is what we're going to say. They're saying it because it's true. You got It takes a little time to put an offense together, but this is a very simple system. There's a lot of, a lot of quarterback stuff where the quarterback makes a lot of these reads. So we've got one of the best in the country and K.J. Costello, and so we're going to be able to hit the ground running in many respects on offense. Will there be some communication issues early? Absolutely there will be. But there are some other schools around the country in this conference that are going to have a lot more complex scheme they're going to have to try to install in a very short period of time. And I think because of the simplistic nature of the Mike Leach scheme, we're going to be ahead of those teams. We're not going to be where we will be in two years, obviously, because everybody will know the culture by then. But when I think about what Arkansas and Ole Miss and Missouri and others are looking to do, you know, they have had uh, very little, if any, spring practice as well, and they've got a lot more to install than Mississippi State does offensively. And there's always a person says, well, you know, Steve, it's still, you know, still got still a new scheme, and it is. But if you've got an abbreviated practice schedule, wouldn't you rather be the guy that's got the simple scheme that's got the scheme that's really more dependent on sight reads on the field rather than, okay, well, what's our, what's our, this guy's pulling here and this guy's going there, we're kicking out there, am I blocking down here? No. And it's like I thought Louis Vasquez said it best. He said they simplify things because so you can play fast. You can't play fast if you're second-guessing yourself. You can't be confused and be aggressive at the same time. You got If you know what you're doing, if you know what's expected of you, then you can go out there and play hard. You can go out there and play wide open, whistle to whistle, just because of the fact that you know what you're doing. When you have more complex schemes, there's a lot more second guessing. There's a lot more thinking. Players that have to think it through play slow. Mike Leach wants his team to play fast, and that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to go out there and they're going to play fast. They're going to install the offense fast. They're going to rep it out fast. And Vince Maley told me, hey, these guys are going to catch about 100 footballs a day in practice. About 100. Jamal Morrow said that, hey, all the things that you're not good at right now, you will be up in the fall camp. He goes, if you're a running back that's primarily a ball carrier, you will learn to be a great pass protector and a great receiver out of the backfield because that's what the system demands of you. And so those are the things that I think about that excite me because these are people, again, they have no vested interest in Mississippi State. 
They're just people answering questions. They're people that are you know talking about their their funny times with Mike Leach and and the things they learned as football players. And I think that's an important aspect of this thing. And I, I have not met a player yet. And I've talked to over a half dozen former Washington State and Texas Tech players. And every one of them, they all have they all got a great story to tell. But they all tell you, Mike Leach. It's fun to play for. He is demanding to play for, and he demands accountability, and he has discipline in his programs, and he's not going to let other people do things to hurt the team. And so in that respect, I think anybody that's a true competitor, you want to put the team first, and you don't want a bad actor out there that's hurting your team or hurting your chance of winning. And so as a result, I think these guys that get into fall camp and get to work, they're going to realize, you know what, this is what's best for the team. And if it's not good for the team, it's not good for me. And so I think it's important that we all remember those things. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, longtime institution here in Starkville, Mississippi. Many of you bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmart when you were students here. You, and some of you commuter students used their free parking lot and parked there and walked to campus to save yourself a little money. I get it. I understand it. You can buy yourself an umbrella right there at Campus Bookmark and uh, walk to class, uh, rain or shine. Mom, Dad, I know there's a lot of kids out there that uh, have, have worked hard. They had to do some difficult things this year. They had to kind of work through online coursing and Zoom meetings and that sort of stuff. And they had to, their learning situation was interrupted. They did their best to keep the living room clean. Now it's time to reward them. Get them some Mississippi State merchandise from Campus Bookmark. Get some for yourself, too. Because any time that we can rep the brand, we should. Campus Bookmark, right here in Starkville, Mississippi. Go by and see Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. But if you can't, visit them at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, so we're getting ready to get out of here. And then Friday, we'll be back. Uh, and I mentioned top of the show, you know, working on the book and that sort of stuff. And I'll tell you, you know, just talking to people that have read the book and that have uh, worked in the editing process, you know, we, these are some great stories. And, um, you know, as I mentioned to you guys, too, you know, it's such an honor to be able to tell these stories. And uh, speaking of a publisher yesterday, and and uh, it's one of those things, there, there's a journey through all of this. And, uh, you know, I, I've reached a point now where it doesn't bother me as much as it used to because when I wrote Flim Flam, there, there's, number one, I knew there was going to be a lot of controversy. Uh, but I've got alligator skin. Uh, as my dad used to say as a young man, don't worry about that, I can tote it. And uh, that's kind of how I felt, that I didn't feel like that story was too big for me, and I didn't feel like the fallout was too big for me, and I'd be able to deal with it, and I have been. And so when I wrote Stark Villains, it was a little different, because the anxiety is different. It's like when you, you know, I knew when I wrote Flim Flam that it would be praised by Mississippi State people and panned by Ole Miss people, because that's just kind of how life is. With Villains, it was much different, because... I know these players and these coaches and these stories mean so much to all of us. So it's a different kind of pressure. You know, with Flim Flam, it's always, it was the pressure to make sure that everything is detailed out properly and that everything, every single word is exactly correct in the proper context because of the fact of all the legalities involved in all that. Because you're, you're, you're basically talking about allegations. You're basically talking about, uh, you know, some, some where people have, 
have, uh, you know, stepped outside of the rules. But with villains, it was more of a feel-good story, you know. But, again, the anxiety is different because there are a lot of people that say, well, I don't remember it that way, or that's not really what happened. And so I tried to let their words tell the story. And uh, I've learned something about myself and about the Mississippi State fan base throughout all of this. Uh, And, number one, people were hungry to read more books about their favorite Bulldogs. And uh, as I've I've shared with you guys many times, I'm going to stack up these books on you. Uh, It's hard for me to believe it's three books, three books already. And um, it's it's an incredible journey to do this. It's fun to start a book. It's fun to write a book. It's fun to to get Eric Mould's phone number and say, hey, text Eric and say, hey, listen, I'm Steve Robertson, and uh, I'm writing a book about Mississippi State, and I wanted to interview you about the 93 Egg Bowl. And then instead of him texting back, he immediately calls. You know, those things are fun for me. Or reaching out and uh, talking to Ted Milton, a guy that won a lot of baseball games in Mississippi State Bulldog uniform, and then uh, was one of the great coaches in South Mississippi for a long time. And to hear their recollections and to hear the things that matter to them and to talk to Mark Gillespie and talking about when he, he was at Iowa Western and uh, walks into the, the baseball complex out there and they've got a, a poster on the wall of Duty Noble Field and thinking to themselves, you know, that'd be a cool place to play when they were having less than 100 people come to their games and we're packing in four and 5,000 back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s here at Mississippi State. And to hear them recollect all that and to talk about how special it all was to them and to see what they have become in life and to look back and say, you know what, it all kind of started for me at Mississippi State. Uh, that, that is something that I take very seriously, to be able to, to, to capture those stories and share them with all of you. And, and um, you know, talking to Harper Davis, we've talked about the Alan McKean stuff many times on the show. But uh, to hear Harper Davis, to hear the respect in his voice, when he talks about Mississippi State, when he professes his love for Mississippi State and how he, he says, you know, Steve, the co-ed that I married, I met her at Mississippi State. She's from Mississippi State family. And she had, there were three sisters and they all married Mississippi State grads. And she had a brother that went to Mississippi State. And you begin to realize it really is a family. You know, it's one of those lifelong designations thing. And there's some people out there that say, well, I went to school there, you know, and, you know, and, and I get it. I understand it. And that's one of the things that makes Mississippi State so special. You know, it's like it really is a lifelong decision. There are a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, they go to school for, for one reason or another. You know, but Mississippi State is still in their hearts. And there are other people, you know, I can speak for our family. When uh, my oldest daughter, Audrey, when, uh, when she was uh, growing up, she wanted to be an OSU Golden Girl. We were in Baton Rouge, and, that, and all her dance instructors were – were former Golden Girls, and that's what they thought. That's, that was it. That's what she wanted to be. And of all my kids, I thought you know the chances of her going to Mississippi State are probably the least. But then we moved to Starkville, and uh, she got to know Starkville, and she got to know Mississippi State, and uh, and then of course our church. You know, and she she just made mention to me. I can't imagine being anywhere else. And that's the thing is when you get here and you get settled and you realize the culture here and you realize the family here, it really pulls you in. And I remember something that Dan Bland told me that was included in the epilogue of Stark Villains. And Dan says, I tell people all the time, if you don't want your kids to go to Mississippi State, then you better not let them visit. 
because once they visit, they're going to want to go. And I believe that's the case. I really do. And I, I believe when, when people come up here and see what we're about, that uh, it kind of pulls them in. But the bottom line is Mississippi State is not for everybody, and uh, not everybody's for Mississippi State. And that's okay, too. You know, it, it takes all kinds. But uh, it has been my honor to capture these stories, and uh, we are very, very close to this thing uh, being done. Next couple of weeks, I think, we'll, we'll probably be done, push this thing off the print, and then we'll get it back. And uh, we'll have a release date, and we'll start having some book signings, uh, you know, on game day. And uh, there's already people that have reached out. There are people that said, hey, I want to do this, I want to do that. And uh, that's one of the things, too, that's so – it's really kind of humbling to me is that we don't even have a book yet, and we've got people scheduling book signings. Uh, that, to me, is uh, is something that really makes me proud, that people, even even before the book is out, before they've had a chance to read it or even lay eyes on it, they're thinking, you know what, well, we know this is going to be big, so we want to go ahead and get in line. Uh, that is amazing to me, and I thank you all for it. And, again, if you haven't done so, go visit StarkVillainsTheBook.com and get copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains because I'm not going to slow down. Uh, people ask me in my life all the time, they say, well, I can't believe you're going to write another book this year. And I was thinking, well, why wouldn't I? Why would I deny myself the joy that I get from writing these books? And I don't know what next year holds. You know, we had a global pandemic this year, and I was about to drive myself crazy, so I got ahead on the book. You know, we'll see what happens. But the bottom line is this, is that there are some great stories out there that are going to be dead and buried someday that are never going to be told. And, and that really kind of drives me. It motivates me because there's so many people out there, there are so many great bulldogs that I never got to talk to. I never got to talk to Stan Black. I never got an opportunity to interview uh, some of those great bulldogs like uh, Odie Burrell, Justin Canale. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. I didn't get a chance to tell their stories. And I wish I would have. I really, really wish I would have. And there's so many people that we talk about, you know, like I would love to have been able to, to, to have met Alan McKean. And to hear his side of the story, and I've, I've done the best I can to recreate that uh, and share that with you in the new book. But uh, we have a lot to be proud of as Mississippi State folk, and it is my honor to share as much of that with you as I can, whether it be on the website, Gene's page, and if you're not a member, you might as, you, you should be, or right here on the Boneyard or the Facebook Live shows. Uh, Mississippi State's what I want to talk about. Unless we're going to a rock show, then I want to talk about Mississippi State, and uh, I hope that you do too. And so uh, thanks for joining me today. And again, I'll be back on Friday. And again, look forward to, to meeting you guys and having a chance to visit with you a lot uh, during this coming football season. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.